He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day is our gospel reading for today from John chapter 20, where Jesus speaks these words to Thomas. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It is one of the greatest lies that our modern world has taught us. What lie? Well, this one. If you can get enough information, you will have certainty. It's a lie most of us have believed pretty thoroughly. We believe that if we read enough, we will have certainty about exactly how it is that we should live our lives in order to be prosperous. We believe that if we watch enough news, we'll understand everything that's going on in our world with striking accuracy. We believe that if we find the right expert to instruct us, every trouble can be eliminated. Right now, that lie is being exposed as false day by day during these times. But that doesn't mean it will go away. I fear, in fact, it will survive this time relatively unscathed. For information is a treasured idol that few of us wish to give up. But I want to show you how it is being exposed as false in this time. You see, there is no lack of information right now about what is going on in our world. You can read page after page in the newspapers or article after article on the internet about what is happening and why. You can watch the 24-7 news cycle, and all of those 24 hours, they are putting out new information to tell us about what is going on. The experts, they're everywhere. Government experts, disease experts, economic experts, we've got them all right in front of us. So our problem is certainly not the lack of information. But I ask you, with all that information that you have access to, do you have certainty? That is what the lie promises you. I know that I've talked to people during this crisis who were certain of things one day that the next day they were quite uncertain of. And I didn't think bad of those people at all, for I know that my own thoughts have shifted from day to day in this situation as well. All of us together, because there is so much uncertainty, are trying to figure out what is real and what is not real. But it's hard because we don't even know which information we should count as real. How do you know if information is real? Is it real because the person who is telling it to you is someone you trust? Is it real because the one who is speaking it to you has a certain level of education or reputation? Or do you think you know it's real because there was a chart or a graph or some other visual that convinced you of its truth? If we're able for a moment, let us back away from our current situations in our minds and ask the question a little more generally. How is it that we determine what is real in our world on a normal day? What do we count as real? Is it real if science confirms it through a study? Is it real if you can touch it or taste it or smell it? Is it real if your mind confirms it for you through logic or sound reason? Thomas, in our gospel reading, seemed to count things as real 
only those things which he could see or touch. He trusted his senses to tell him what was real, and certainly many among humanity judge things as real in that way as well. No, not even words spoken by people he knew quite well and trusted could make him count certain things as real, especially things as important as whether Jesus was alive again. Yes, he thought he could count things real only when he saw them or touched them. Each of us must admit we have our own ways that we make those determinations as well. Many scholars divide up the world into three basic periods of thought amongst humanity. They tell us that there were pre-modern times, modern times, and post-modern times. Perhaps in one way or another you've heard somebody talk about post-modern thought, simply because that is the period of thought that most scholars believe we are in right now. In postmodern thought, the basic idea is that there is nothing that is really real at all. Each person is allowed to determine what is real for themselves and then pursue their life according to that reality. And that is how many in our society, especially those who are younger, tend to think. But before that became the dominant thought pattern, we lived largely with modern thought. Most people, in fact, listening to this sermon today will have grown up being taught to think in this way. Modern thinking people believe that you can determine what is real through the power of your mind. What is real can be reasoned out. Oh, you might need experts or informations to help you reason it out, but in the end, you can do it through the power of your own mind. Now, most of us who are trained this way accept this thought pattern as indeed that it has to be true. We accept it without much discernment. That's why we love information so much. We're just trying to figure out which of that information our mind should trust and then make those great decisions that the mind can make. But you know, there was a period before modern thought as well, that period that scholars sometimes speak of as pre-modern. And what did people think back then? Well, they believed the things that were real were largely the things that were revealed by God to be real. They believed that since God was the creator of reality, his word revealed what was real. What he said in the scriptures was real. And then everything else had to be placed in subjection to that revelation. That is not to say that one could not use their mind, but it was to say that their mind in the end could not be the ultimate determiner of reality. This was not to say that you couldn't listen to other people and try to understand why they thought the way they did and therefore gain some understanding. But you could not, after you had done all that talking to other people, simply say that there was nothing real. You see, in the end, it was just this simple. If God revealed it as real, it was real. No, not even Thomas's belief that you had to touch and see could override what God said. Does that seem old-fashioned to you? Do you really want to be known as one who thinks about things in a pre-modern way? Doesn't that almost demean you? Don't you at least want to be like Thomas, who can determine for himself whether things are real or not, rather than simply having it revealed by another. 
Well, at the end of our gospel reading for today, John in his gospel tells us how we are to think about the most important things in life. He tells us how we are especially to think about Jesus, his death, and his resurrection. Yes, he tells us that we are to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and have life in his name. How? Well, precisely by believing those things that are revealed to us. We are to believe the witness of those who saw the miraculous things that Jesus did, up to and concluding with his glorious resurrection. And it's not just the Apostle John that has told us to think this way. Of course, the Spirit was the one who inspired his words. But even there, we can say more. For it was not only the Spirit inspiring John that said these things, but the Son of God, Jesus, said them as well. Indeed, he was the one who praised those who believed even though they had not seen. He said those people were blessed who believed simply based on the witness of others. So I ask you today, what is the most real thing you know? Is it something you were convinced of scientifically? Is it something you were convinced of based on the expertise of someone in a particular field? Is it something you are convinced of because you were there and you saw it and so you know it must be true? Well, I would suggest to you that the most important thing to count as real cannot come to you by any of those ways. For the most real thing in the entire world is the resurrection of Jesus. You are to count that event as the most real thing that has ever happened in the history of the world. And that you can only learn by the witness of the apostles, which was written down in the scriptures and then handed down to you through the church. Only in that way can you have faith which holds the resurrection of Jesus Christ as real and therefore make that truth formative in your life. Indeed, faith comes by hearing. Why is it that the resurrection should be the thing most important to count real in your life? Well, that's pretty simple. It is because it is the most astounding thing that has ever happened in the entire history of the world. I know that's a pretty grand statement to make, but it is true. For no event has had more impact on the world, even temporally speaking, about what goes on day to day. And certainly no event will have more impact eternally than this event. Nothing in all the world, even other things which truly are real, should be more formative for your life. For you are one who believes that Jesus is raised up you believe it on the basis of the accounts that you read in the scriptures from those that were there. And if you believe that he was raised up from the dead, well, then you believe he is the Christ and you have life in his name. You believe that since he has been raised up, indeed, he is with you always, even until the end of the age. You believe he's able to be present in the waters of baptism in the preaching of the word of forgiveness and in the bread and the wine, which carries into our mouth Christ's body and blood in the supper. You believe that even if death should reach you, 
and of course at some point it will, not even that can take away from you the thing that is most precious to you. That life of Christ that has been given to you, that life which you get to live out in the kingdom of God right now and in his eternal kingdom forever. You believe that you will be raised up on the last day, and therefore, even when they put you in your grave someday, that will serve only as a temporary resting place for you. Oh yes, Thomas had an opportunity that you did not have. And yes, it brought forth faith in him. But do you know why God did this? Why did God give Thomas that chance to stand there before the resurrected Jesus and see and touch well, no doubt he did it for Thomas. He loved Thomas and he wanted him to believe, but he also did it for you. For indeed, giving Thomas this opportunity assured that Thomas would go out as one of the chief witnesses to the resurrection. And Thomas going out as one of the chief witnesses to the resurrection is important in your life. For those 12 men going out as the ones whom God had chosen to be his witnesses, well, their going out meant that that word spread to the entire world and eventually came right into your life. How do you know what it is that you should count as real? Well, God reveals it, and it is real. His word contains the eyewitness accounts of the apostles, and it tells you that Jesus has died and is alive again. It tells you that he did this to forgive your sins and to give you new life. And you, you get to believe it by the power of the Spirit. And when you believe it, Jesus says, you are blessed. You are blessed because you believe even though you have not seen. Indeed, blessed are you when you count the resurrection of Jesus as real. For if you believe that, you have life. You have the eternal, resurrected life of Christ living within you. You have new life now, and you will have it forever. Amen. And then may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.